There are certain moments and words that shaped a new era in pro wrestling. Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass. Brett screwed Brett. Die, Rocky, die. Suck it! Introducing the Book of Wrestling, 25 catchphrases that explain the Attitude Era. Tune in as we relive one of the most exciting, intense, and over-the-top times in WWE with new interviews with the voices that made the promos, calls, and catchphrases into history. Listen now. It's the Full Go, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every, that's right, every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, the official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. There's a lot that could impress you about the all-new Honda Prologue EV. True, it's got class-leading passenger space and clean, thoughtful design and intuitive technology. But what really sets the Prologue apart from the competition is that it's more than an EV. It's a Honda. Honda, the power of dreams. Visit honda.com slash prologue to learn more. Chicago everywhere. Check it. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go Podcast. The Full Go. Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. <laughs> he is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the Full Go. Love the Full Go. The Full Go. The Full Go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. Talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. So, walking back to the car tonight, there's three cars outside in the lot. There, and I'm walking with Kendall Gill, right? There's a Kendall's truck, there's my SUV, and there's a Maybach truck out there. So, Kendall points at it and he goes, ah, I see you. I'm like, stop fucking playing. Like, 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 life ain't that good. Nor probably will it ever be, to be honest. It doesn't suck when you realize, like, life ain't going to ever be that good. You know, like, like, like these, these damn rappers and the lifestyle that they've thrown in your face for the last decade and a half, two decades. You feel me? Like, you know, I remember back in the day when, when, uh, what was it, leaders of the new school in Boston was talking about his cherry pathfinder. Like, you could have a fucking Nissan Pathfinder back in the day and be the man. Now, you got to have a $450,000 truck, right? So you're sitting there two-tone or whatever. And I'm like, damn, it's a beautiful, beautiful automobile, right? And we're walking up to it. And all I hear is from, the, from behind me, God damn it, and fucked up my shoes. I turn around and it is a brother and Chris, you, <laughs> you will enjoy this part. It is a brother with the NBA leather 
every team patch jacket Ooh. on. Yeah, Billy, the classic. Are freeway in the building tonight. <laughs> yes, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, PD Crack and the boys are showing up. Shout out to State Property, right? And I'm like, oh, he's got the gazelles on, right? He's got the loafers. It's 30-some degrees outside. This man has loafers on, right? I mean, he is living the Black American dream. He is walking next to uh, what seems to be a smart young lady. You know what I mean? She, she seemed uh, bright uh, and, and seemed ready for the night. And I'm just sitting there like, God damn it, I love basketball. Like, that's all I can think of as I walk into the truck. No other venue can you walk out of with the kind of high and adrenaline rush that a lot of Bulls fans walked out of the United Center with tonight and think, hmm, what can you only see in a basketball crowd? <laughs> a brother in loafers with an NBA patched leather walking to a, a Mercedes Maybach truck. Yeah, then, man. You're not it, seeing it, that. Uh, you're not seeing that 35th and Shields on a Wednesday at, night. At all. <laughs> at all. I don't care who's shooting the video there. It's not happening. Right? You ain't, you ain't rolling up to Soldier Field. All of a sudden, Lakeshore Drive is sunny Sunday morning, 10 a.m., 10.30. You can smell the brats wafting through the air across McCormick Place. You ain't going to see no brother in loafers at, with a Maybach truck with what seems to be a... a, 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 a a perfectly fine and talented and bright um, and smart, as I mentioned, young lady. You know, you know, I'm not going to be smart her character, right? We, I don't know what she does for a living. You feel me? But man, smart enough I to fuck. attend that game tonight. Am I right? Oh my god! <laughs> look at look at my guys, Chris Tannehill, getting this thing back on the tracks here. Welcome to episode. What is this? 84? Huh? You got last, it. Last episode was 83, so this one must be 84 of the Full Go Podcast with Jason Goff, brought to you by The Rig. And of course, Spotify is the gang. We got the active, the always active, Jesse Lopez, my main man, Chris Tannehill, the shadowy figure that is known as Steve Cerruti is probably lurking somewhere in the shadows where he always is. So I've seen a lot of performances this year. And a lot of those performances have been by DeMar DeRozan in terms of Bulls' best performer. Night in, night out, uh, DeMar DeRozan has been absolutely fantastic. And the fact that this man has now scored four games, had four games of 40 points or more and gets a 50 piece tonight against the Los Angeles Clippers team that just got the, the you know, the shot in the arm of getting Paul George back. Um, Tyron Lou, And I feel like it's one of those things where you feel like you're the only one saying it, but everybody's saying it out there because you, you don't probably consume enough content. Yeah, that's me. I'm talking about that. That's me. I'm you in this, in this situation, but Tyron Lue is a fantastic basketball coach. Absolutely outstanding. What they were doing, and not just with the pick and roll late in the game and where they were deploying their pick and roll offense from. I know, how are you going to say a guy's a fantastic coach when they blow an 11-point lead with five minutes left in the game? I know, I know. But what, what Tyron Lue has done with that Clippers squad and getting the um, the 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 juice that you need from the perimeter and on the isolation game from Paul George, that, that Clippers team is not some bottom-rung Western Conference playoff-type team. That is one of the four or five best teams, I think, in the, in the Western Conference if Paul George is healthy. And then if Kawhi Leonard is healthy, we're talking about a team that should be in the running for the top two or three in the conference. Now, of course, Phoenix is outstanding. Golden State is outstanding. Memphis is a team that nobody 
I mean, nobody wants to see, uh, especially since those boys defend at a high level and know they can win without John Morant, which means something, right? Because if you can go on a, a three, four, five game stretch where you know one of the best players in the league is going to be out and you still perform at a high level, you know, three or four minutes in the second half of a close game won't mean much to you when it's time to get a guy rest, right? So those teams are outstanding. And then in that second tier of teams where you've got the Utah Jazz who have been disappointing to say the least and some of the, you know, the Denver Nuggets who uh, have the MVP seemingly, you know, from, from all uh, reports, it seems like Nikola Jokic is going to win this year's MVP, but no Jamal Murray. They're still waiting for that second star. And that second rung of teams, if you talk about a healthy Paul George, I'm putting the Clippers in that second tier of Western Conference teams. And the first tier are all championship contenders. That's what the Bulls went up against tonight. And that's a game that the Bulls lose, I think, nine times out of ten, especially from what we've seen lately uh, and them not being able to, you know, close in big moments offensively at times and also defensively. uh, The drop defense, whatever you want to call it, the way the Bulls have not attacked the pick and roll throughout games has cost them. Uh, I think it's cost them at least a few games this season. And they mix that defense up tonight at the end of the game. And and I want to point out a few things before we get to DeMar DeRozan's 50, because DeMar DeRozan's 50 should be center stage here. But Alex Caruso, uh, charged with the task to guard Paul George, charged with the task to guard, uh, you know, um, I almost called him Bobby (laughs) Schmurder, Reggie Jackson. (laughs) It's been a great night. I almost called Reggie Jackson Bobby Schmurder. I was going to treat this like I treat the group chat. And I shouldn't do that because those lines will get blurred and then you guys will, you know, hear how I feel about the Will Smith slap uh, unfiltered. But no, (laughs) you got to guard Reggie Jackson. You got to guard Paul George. And oh, by the way, you got a bad back. There were moments down the stretch in regulation where Kendall Gill and I were looking at each other like, man, Caruso just, he can't move. And he's out there still taking guys to task, still picking up Paul George, still getting guys off of Paul George saying, no, 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 I got him this possession. Um, that's what you pay for when you talk about championship pedigree. That, that kind of dude, no matter what this season is or isn't, the people that are learning from these dudes are important, right? Like every, every young player's got a vet. Every young player who comes in the league, like, for instance, Lindsey Hunter and Gennaro Pargo, their young player was Derrick Rose. Right. And it doesn't matter the hierarchy or where you fall in the NBA standing and how people feel about your career. Your OGs are your OGs. And for a guy like Alex Caruso to go out there knowing his back is, is not the best, still coming back off the wrist injury and trying to get his shooting touch and, and, and legs back together. He's out there guarding the toughest cover. One of the toughest covers in the NBA right now, and I know Paul's only been back for two games, but everybody else has played 70-plus games, and that's Paul George. So Paul George with fresh beginning-of-the-season legs and a game that you have to win, the start of a tough five-game homestand, like, that's the kind of shit that when Io DeSumo and and Kobe White and Patrick Williams are fourth and fifth and sixth-year veterans in the league, they look back on certain moments and go, oh, man, who taught you? My OGs taught me this. And my OG was a guy like Alex Caruso. My vet was a guy like Zach Levine. My vet was a guy like DeMar DeRozan. These young dudes are watching. So when we talk about what these games mean and, ah, they're so close to the play-in line, good thing they got the tiebreaker with the, you know, with the Cavaliers and with the Raptors and and how this season has felt at the end here, all of this stuff gets rolled up in in, in the formula. All of this stuff is in the recipe. 
because those young dudes are watching cats who, um, if they would have won more games, right? Because it's on them as well. But if they would have won more games, some of these cats would have been sitting down. If some of these cats would have had a little bit more time to heal up with some of these um, nagging injuries. But that time be damned. You got five games left in this season now. And after a big win against the LA Clippers, I think this is one of those things where the Bulls fans who see this team perform like this and say, it's in there, but how sustainable is it? And the only thing that I think is going to keep this team from having a long playoff run is the injuries that they have sustained, the players that aren't coming back, and the defense that they don't play consistently enough. They had to defend down the stretch. There was, there was what, four minutes and 40 seconds left on the clock. The Clippers had an 11-point lead. That's a game the Clippers close out. In fact, the Clippers have, what, five comebacks by 20 or more, down 20 or more, the most in the NBA. So that's a team that could chase you down, put you away. There's damn sure a team that could put you away when they got a lead now with Paul George. That's a game that the Bulls don't win. I don't want it to be understated how important that was tonight for the Chicago Bulls because – they lose that game, and you're looking at the Miami Heat after that, and then another playoff team after that. You're looking at the, the, you know, this stretch at home. While the Bulls have the best record in the NBA at 27 and 10, it's a tough stretch. All playoff teams, all play-in teams, and then you go on the road for the final game against the Minnesota Timberwolves, where Cat Towns and Anthony Edwards and 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 D'Angelo Russell are playing like they don't know that they're young dudes anymore. Right. They're playing like they're ready to roll. So this entire schedule down the stretch was important, especially in the business that you didn't handle against the New York Knicks. Like they needed this game in a major, major way. And speaking of Alex Caruso and the way he is showing the way just by leading by example, you know, man, we got to give it up for Zach Levine. And you may say to yourself, I'm feeling a little a little weird about the knee, you know, for the future. I wouldn't begrudge you that as a Bulls fan at all. But what I'm seeing right now is a dude who is playing. Um, I don't think it's to the detriment of the team or, or, or to himself, but a dude who is obviously not right. And it, it's all about how he wakes up and feels, to be honest with you. It'll be a, a game where he is out of control, like going hard to the hoop and, and, and looking like the Zach Levine of old. And then there'll be a half where he can't, do what he his body has normally done before this injury. And you may say to yourself, yeah, you're going to give that guy $200 million for what he has shown and what he, um, uh, what I think his game can mature into. Uh, Zach Levine isn't just going to be a high flyer all of his career. And you can see his game transitioning. You know, he's, he's always going to be a terrific finisher in terms of how smooth he is and his layup package. And of course, when he gets hot, there are a few players who, when they get hot, can go on a heater like Zach Levine. So those skills are going to transfer after some of the athleticism is lost. And I, I won't even, I would just tell Bulls fans to live in the now in this moment when it comes to Zach, because what he's doing right now, while the MVP chance are going out for DeMar, and we're looking around talking about, you know, what Vooch is going to do and how important he is to the offense. Zach Levine got to the line double digit times now because his shot wasn't falling. And when that comeback was happening, it was because Zach was taking charge as well. DeMar DeRozan had 27 points in the fourth quarter in overtime combined. The Bulls don't win that game if not for Zach Levine in a couple of huge moments. And speaking of huge moments, God bless the young man, Patrick Williams. I'm telling y'all now, this dude, if this dude, and I threw the name baby Kawhi on him very early, 
right? Rookie year. I'm like, this is it. Look at the hands. Look at the size. Uh, look at the demeanor. Look at the defensive, uh, not just intensity, but defensive intelligence that such a young player possesses. And I'll be damned if the young boy don't understand that he can eat too, right? Like, he is so... He's such a good kid that I think he takes a back seat in times where he doesn't have to take a back seat. He's looking around like, oh, look at that. There's DeMar DeRozan. There's Zach Levine. I'm teammates with Nikola Vucevic. Look at this. This is a really cool situation going on here. Meanwhile, a guy like Ayo DeSumo is like, hey, I'm about to go hard as I possibly can because these minutes ain't promised. If you could take what Io and Javante and some of these other guys have and put it into Patrick Williams, you'd have one of the more destructive forces in the NBA, defensively and offensively. The dude tonight down the stretch was responsible for 10 points and 12 rebounds. I believe 10 and 6 of that he got in the fourth quarter in overtime. The man hit shot after shot, especially the two threes from the corner. Like, what he can become as far as a 3 and D player if, if that shit just jumps in him. If it just jumps in him, you're talking about what he should be looking like as a as a top five pick as opposed to what we've been saying about him and, and how we've been fashioning and, and constructing this discussion about Patrick Williams. Tonight, he was impactful. And it doesn't have to be Patrick Williams getting 20 shots. It doesn't. But when you kick it out and that guy who has is, is, is got a really pure stroke from deep, I mean, th- that guy is a weapon. You got to force yourself on the court, young man. And I think a game like this tonight, you know, that's the kind of game that that puts you into the starting lineup. It, it feels like Billy Donovan wants to pull the trigger on Javante Green, and, but he's not going to give away the minutes. And apparently at the half, you know, DeMar DeRozan, Alex Caruso, uh, and, and others, including Billy Donovan, Tristan Thompson as well, told the young fella, yo, this shit ain't going to go without you. We can't be on the penalty kill out there on offense because you're not shooting the ball, right? And I don't think they said it, you know, verbatim that way. I, I, at least I hope they wouldn't, um, because you know, if they if the, somebody would, it would be Tristan. though. he's Canadian, right? You know, penalty kill hockey. Yeah, they Canadians need more, more, more greasy baskets. Right, right, What's the what's the what's the uh, What's synonymous with puck luck in basketball, right? Like 50-50 balls, right? <laughs> you got you to have more ball luck. Oh, look at that. Look at that segue. Speaking of ball luck, hey, y'all, I don't, I don't know how to tell y'all this, but um, Alonzo Ball ain't playing basketball. Because if we're talking about a dude ramping up to full speed running after 10 days of a, a full stop reevaluation period, I don't. From what it sounds like, it sounds like carrot on the stick kind of stuff. Like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna check him out, put him through a battery of tests again, and, and I think it's them trying to keep his hopes high um, because the news isn't good. He hasn't played basketball for two and a half months, man. And as important as anybody is to this team, whether it be Demar or Vooch or Zach, Lonzo Ball's right up there. This defense changed when he went out, and I, I think Bulls fans should start to prepare for. Uh, definitely Lonzo Ball lists uh, regular season finish here. But, I mean, I think it would be surprising if he didn't play a game in the regular season and all of a sudden the playoffs are around and you're throwing him back out there on the runway uh, when teams are, you know, primed and ready for playoff runs. I I, I don't know. And, and I know this is Chicago. 
the, the the city that likes to throw point guards back in the mix, you know, especially in around around playoff time after a knee injury. Uh, but no, nah, I, I I don't see it in the cards for Lonzo. Um, and that brings us to Demar. Fifty points tonight is one thing. Twenty-seven in the fourth and overtime is another thing. This dude's playing with a bad left adductor muscle. He grabbed at it a couple of times tonight. Um, I keep saying it, and I'll continue to say it. He's a master at his craft. You know what this game is? His game is how you realize if you're old or not in basketball viewing. His game is you, as a kid, loving everything that Allen Iverson did, but never understanding what he was doing. And then you grow up and you're like, oh, okay, this is what he was doing. This is how he's countering. This is how he's setting guys up. A guy like DeMar DeRozan, you don't appreciate his game until you've been, you know, watching basketball for, uh, you know, a good 15, 20 some odd years. Of course, you know, the young fellas out there and the young ladies out there, they know a good mid-range jumper when they see one. But to understand the, the control, the body control that this dude has night in, night out, and for this game especially, this is one of the more physical. I think this is as physical a game as DeMar DeRozan has been through as a Chicago Bull. And he's hit the floor a ton this year. But tonight, that dude was was bumping and grinding and, and running through and around screens. And they were putting him through the test as well defensively. It was a few times with Paul George and he matched up. And that L.A. shit is real between those two. Don't ever get it twisted. I, I know Paul is a Fresno cat, but DeMar DeRozan is looking at a dude playing in his home city for a team that should have, you know, maybe, you know, kicked the tires on him probably a little bit more, as well as the Lakers. If you watched DeMar DeRozan tonight, you knew he was going to put up some points. Because, hell, I did. Shout out to FanDuel Sportsbook, the the greatest app. Uh, You know, I I put down 10 on DeMar DeRozan scoring 40 or more points at the, what is it, plus 1,100, I think I got it at, plus 1,300, something like that. Yeah, so shout out to DeMar. And shout out to an overtime game that sealed the deal for me. Now, at the end of that joint, he misses the he misses the free throw that would have ended it in regulation. This man goes on to score 10, I believe, in the overtime period. He, he's player of the game. He gets the, uh, the Gatorade slash water bath, right? And then he goes up to Billy Donovan and says, I'm sorry, I missed the free throw. And, and Billy's like, what the fuck are you talking about? We wouldn't be here in, in, in the winter's circle if it wasn't for you tonight. You better get out of here with that bullshit. Like, DeMar DeRozan, man, I hope Bulls fans are enjoying watching him this season. And I hope they're enjoying him watching, watching him this season for a couple of reasons. Uh, during the pregame presser, Billy Donovan says something that stuck out to me. And it's about his performance and how it's above the metrics. By the way, he was plus 1,300 tonight. So shout out to DeMar DeRosa for covering the next bar tab the next time we go out for a couple of, you know, a couple of soda pops. But Billy Donovan said that DeMar DeRozan was playing above the metrics. And that's really, really important. Because what he's doing right now, not just in the fourth quarter, but where he's doing it at in this era of the NBA at this um, stage of his career is, is flabbergasting, man. I'm going to tell Bulls fans this. Don't expect this kind of year again from DeMar DeRozan next year. And if he does do it, this is a third act maybe of a career that we haven't seen like in a long time. I mean, this man is playing at a level. You know, DeMar DeRozan has always been an all-star type of performer. This man is playing like one of the five or six best players in the NBA. 
He's going to be top five MVP voting, right? We're talking about Jokic and Embiid and Giannis and, and Devin Booker's making that late push. People try to mention LeBron. Obviously, LeBron's been hurt. DeMar DeRozan's going to be in that conversation, and he deserves to be in that conversation. This team needed him at every moment tonight down the stretch. 27 points in a game is huge. 27 points in the fourth quarter in the overtime period, that's next level. And he's been doing it all year long. Every team knows that he is at the top of the scouting report. Every team's best defenders know where he's going to shoot, what moves he's going to, to try to deploy, what counters he's going to throw at you in the second half of games, the up and under. You notice, I mean, it's, it's art, bro. The, the second half of games is when you see the up and unders. Right when you see people closing out crazily, that's when you're seeing a lot more dunks lately from Demar Derozan. You're seeing him driving a lot more. He is, he is to basketball what a guy like Mark Burley was to pitching, where you look at and go, "Hey man, how, how is he getting people out?" Right? The, the off-speed stuff is, is it that much of a variance from the you know the hard stuff? Nah, eh, maybe not. He's not throwing 100, 102, 103 out there. He ain't Garrett crocheting you. But what he is doing is mixing it up. He's lining your ass up those first couple of times through the order. And then that third time through the order, right right when it's about time to get yanked, yeah, you're going to see all the off-speed stuff. You're going to see all the stuff that you have no business swinging at. And that's what DeMar DeRozan has done. He's been setting people up from the beginnings of games to the end of games and has been done masterfully so. And if there was TED Talks for basketball, tonight would have been one from Debo, as they call him, the Compton's finest, DeMar DeRozan. Time for some commercials. This episode is brought to you by Maybelline New York. Get ready to bring the heat with Maybelline's newest lip plumping gloss, Lifter Plump. Fair warning, though, it's hot. Like, literally. It's formulated with chili peppers to bring a heated sensation and an instant plumping effect that lasts. Available in eight sizzling shades like Blush Blaze, Hot Honey, and more. Buy Lifter Plump now on Amazon and use the code 10PLUMP to get 10% off for a limited time. Tap the banner to learn more. The Full Goal with Jason Goff. So college basketball is coming to uh, an end here soon. Uh, We've got the Final Four this weekend. And you've got Villanova, you've got Kansas, you've got North Carolina and Duke. The fact that this is the first time that North Carolina and Duke are meeting in the tournament is amazing to me. I mean, you got 40 years of uh, Coach K, and you've got North Carolina being North Carolina uh, since I was a kid and way, way before then. So the fact that these two teams haven't met up is, uh, is, is quite wild to me. Uh, I am rooting for Hubert Davis and the North Carolina Tar Heels, uh, as any self-respecting brother should and would. Uh, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> Duke, Duke is a, a terrific team. Uh, if, if Duke is allowed to play, uh, I think they win. But if North Carolina can touch them up a little bit, muck up the game a little bit, um, I think they get the, I get, I, I, I'll give them a, a chance. But isn't it crazy that Hubert Davis, because people was coming for, for Hubert Davis's head the beginning of this season. I mean, they had some 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 tough losses. I believe they lost at home to Pitt, something like that. Uh, and he turns it around. They beat Coach K in his last game at Cameron Indoor Stadium. And then, you know, Coach K goes out there and embarrasses himself and says, this isn't acceptable. I'm like, hey, shut up, man. This dude's senior nights and you take it over the fucking, you know, you take it over the microphone and grandstand and this shit. Let them pat you on the back and keep it moving. You know, shout out to you and your 42-year career, but 
could knock it off. This is unacceptable. What? That was one of, my, one of my favorite things that's happened so far early this year. Oh, we didn't even talk about it. Yeah. I know. Just, just just telling a whole room of college kids who are there to, to celebrate you. But please, yeah. everyone be quiet. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up now. This is, this is unacceptable. It's like when right. that substitute teacher used to come in, you know? Yeah. Right, I'm right. going to start flicking the lights on and all right. that. <laughs> right. Like, knock the fuck off. You better, you better turn on that fat back television and the last Mohicans for two days. You ain't got no lesson plan. You know, <laughs> we don't respect you, sir. <laughs> you or your khakis. You gotta get out of here, <laughs> Mr. Williams. <laughs> oh, I used to love a good substitute teacher back in the day. Like you get a cool one, but you anyone that came in there on on, on the timing that the, the general class structure and behavior wasn't on. Cause you know, certain classes you look around like, ooh, this this sub ain't got a damn chance in the world. And then other classes, you're just like, all right, this is a, this is English honors. You guys are gonna treat this guy well. Yeah, let it let let it, let it be like uh you know I don't know I was gonna say one class but I'm not gonna say that class let it be like a class that you know people just have at the end of their senior year that subs getting flamed right and that's 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 what should have happened to Coach K when he grabbed the mic to chastise like you said a bunch of kids there to celebrate him and one dude got ganked out of a senior night because of all that like one dude didn't even get a chance to do his senior night because of the pregame festivities so yeah man in fact yeah I root for North Carolina even more I'm not. Armando Bacon and all them dudes, I hope y'all get y'all shit off, man. Beat Duke, all right? I, I, I don't hate anything like, like that for real, for real. And I really do like Jamie Roach and Paolo Bancaro as the dude. Like, he's got that weird thing where he's losing like six, six seven pounds a game or something like that because he's sweating profusely and, he, and, and he's cramping up during every game. It's like, it's like the reincarnation of Carlos Zambrano out there, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, they got some cool players, right? I like them. I like the Griffin kid. I like the Williams kid. But man, it, it would be a, a quite the story to see... Coach K's final game be a loss to the North Carolina Tar Heels. And I'd have to FaceTime Kenny Smith or somebody that I know with North Carolina connections because that, that that's going to be a terrific time. And of course, Villanova, Kansas, that game is that game is um if, if Kansas, if Kansas and, and and Remy Martin, I believe the kid's name is, if Kansas and Bill Self uh are allowed to play, like just like I said about Duke. If they're allowed to play, I think they can beat Villanova. I think Villanova slows the ball down because of some of their um, deficiencies depth-wise, right? They, they, they can't afford, uh, and especially with the injuries on that team, they can't afford to have anybody out there in that rotation who hasn't seen time or who, who they don't trust. So they're going to slow that thing down, I think, to a grind. And, of course, you know, Gillespie is one of the better players in the nation, you know? And, and Jay Wright, I mean, you talk about his last seven, eight years, that dude is up there in the pantheon of great coaches uh, and, and and is an, at another Final Four. So I'm looking forward to it. I think there's all the tr- intrigue in the world. But what I'm really looking forward to is the end of the first cycle of NIL NCAA. And all you sons of bitches out there who thought that college sports would be wrecked because these kids would be going to dealerships and getting money for their name, image, and likenesses. That all of a sudden, the amateurism would be taken off the table and it'd become just like a business. You're not there for, for, 
for professional gain. You're there for the experience and the team camaraderie and the growth and building of young men and women in the NCAA. My ass. Guess what? The NIL came in and Georgia won the national title, the college football season. How many scandals did you hear about? You know why you didn't hear about anybody? Because they were all getting paid. Everybody worth a damn got the money that they needed to get, whether it be to go to a movie or buy a car or invest, whatever the case may be. Hell, the kid at Alabama was a millionaire before he touched the field. And nothing else happened. No, none of the untoward BS that everybody thought that, oh, when you start paying these guys, it's a slippery slope. I'm just saying. This is as great a time as any. While it's a high traffic area and all eyes are on the NCAA and the Final Four with four historically relevant teams in it. We're not talking about teams that just happen to make it and don't have much of a pedigree, but you get to that game, you know the game ain't going to be good because this team doesn't recruit or can't recruit like this. No, it's North Carolina, Duke. Kansas and Villanova. And while all eyes are on this thing, I think it should be hammered home that the kids that you were worried about and the people that you were worried about around these kids after the first cycle of the NIL, where's the complaints? How much different have your sports been when it comes to college basketball and college football? We got a terrific Final Four matchup. We got a team ending a drought that lasted 30-some-odd years, one of the more fruitful recruiting uh, landscapes in the, in, the, in the South, in the University of Georgia. I think it's been a success. So what I say is continue to pay these kids. And anybody who doesn't want to pay these kids, just take a look at how much fun they're having now as opposed to before when they wouldn't get a damn dime for all the billions that they've been raking in for the NCAA. Coming up next here on the Full Goal Podcast with Jason Goff, we get a chance to sit down with a father, a family man, a Bears fan, and oh, by the way, a former WWE champion, Seth Rollins, who joined us during our time on Radio Row for Super Bowl week. He jumped on because WrestleMania 38 was around the corner, and hey, would you look at that? We dropped it right before it's supposed to happen this weekend, so give it a listen. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans at Empower What's Next. Start today at Empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by Ugg. Y'all know Ugg is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think Ugg season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. You need to check out the latest spring drop from Ugg. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. Ugg has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the golden collection at ugg.com. Hey, this is Lance Briggs. You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff. All right, we're live here in the LA Convention Center, Super Bowl 56, The Full Go Podcast with Jason Goff. Brought to you by The Ringer. Of course, Spotify is the gang. And look who we have here, ladies and gentlemen. Is it four-time 
World yes, champion. I am a four-time world champion. That <laughs> sounds good. I like that. Ladies and gentlemen, Seth Rollins joining the show. And Seth, I, I found out little birdie told me that you're a Bears fan. So you're, you're talking yeah. to all the Chicagoans right now, all the people listening back at the crib. Uh, how did this Bears fandom happen? Because Davenport, Iowa? Davenport, Iowa, yes. So, so how did this occur? We got lots of options because there's no professional sports teams in Iowa. And so when it comes to football, you know, the Vikings are in the chatter. The Packers are in the chatter. Um, you have an occasional Kansas City Chiefs fan, obviously more in right, the last few right, years. Right. Um, but my grandpa was a Bears fan. He used to sit in his chair every Sunday afternoon at noon and watch the Bears get stomped <laughs> every single week. Jim Harbaugh to Cade McNown. And uh, I had no choice but to be a Bears fan. I think they would have kicked me out of the family. <laughs> Had I decided to uh, to go elsewhere, I dabbled as a 49ers fan during the early 90s. Okay, because when you're a kid, you go, yeah. "Why do we root for this team?" They and are, and as an adult, you do it as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. you go. You got these these guys over here. They look cool. They won a bunch of Super Bowls in the 80s, and they're about to win another one. I think I'll just like them instead. <laughs> uh, so I dabbled, and then uh, I came back. I came back. I had no choice. I am a glutton for punishment. Came back to Bears fandom once I, you know. Got a brain about me, got my wits about me. And so, yeah, I've been a Bears fan ever since, man. How many Bears games you been to? Uh, you know, a dozen maybe or so. Oh, okay, they, so you my, get out. So, yeah, my dad uh, and grandpa never went. They never went to Soldier. It, mostly because it's hell getting in and out of there, you know. 100%. And they're just like, yeah, yeah we'll Lake watch Lakeshore Drive is, is crazy we'll on Sunday. We'll watch it on TV. Right, so right, right. Uh, I watched most of it on TV. And then once I got a little older, I was like, yeah, man. But also, like, traveling, I just pop in like I went and saw him in Philadelphia saw him in Miami so just occasionally I'm able to catch him in on away games as well so uh yeah maybe a dozen or so Bears games how you feeling about Justin Fields man the, the city and I, I predicted this not just on this podcast but any other time been talking about the Bears that when the Matt Nagy fatigue was done it was going to then transfer to Justin Fields isn't the guy oh and come on yeah I'm not on that train because I've He's got the raw materials. Yeah. He just need to be, the diamond needs to be shined a little bit. Absolutely. Uh, how are you feeling about the Bears quarterback situation? I, I'm very confident. I, I feel good. You don't draft a guy in the first round and give up on him after one year with a coaching staff that hadn't been able to do anything with a quarterback position in the last five years, right? You can't just say, oh, it's not on him. It's it, Nick Foles wasn't doing nothing. Mm -hmm. Andy Dalton wasn't doing Mitch Trubisky, no one taking snaps for the Bears was doing anything uh, worth, you know, of note aside, mm. aside from an a, maybe a great Trubisky game here or there right, like, right, right, right. against a bad team. It wasn't like anybody was – was. there's no Pat Mahomes games out there for right. the Bears quarterback. So I'm not giving up on Fields. I think he's got, like you said, the raw material's all there. Yes, he's got to make less mistakes. Yes, he's got to try to stop doing everything on one play and one drive. But consistent play, I think it's all going to be there. And he's got he's got the, the highlight reel stuff. Mm -hmm. He's got that, which is – which is fun. We haven't had that in Chicago ever in quarterback position. Right, right. So, you know, it was, it, it's great. I'm excited. Like I said, just he's got to cut some of the rookie stuff. You know, he'll he'll pick up, uh, I think, when it comes to, you know, not turning the ball over and just being smarter with his decision making. He's going to – a few times this year you see him take us out of field goal range mm -hmm, trying to make mm -hmm. a play on third yeah, down. And yeah, it's yeah. just stuff like that, just those little things that he's going to get better at. He's a smart kid. And it's going to happen. He's going to catch up to the speed of the game. He'll be just fine. You know, athletes are athletes, right? And you're an athlete. You're an entertainer, but you're an athlete as well. Uh, how did this thing start for you? 
You know, I, I, I know... I know the you know the wrestling compounds and the wrestling factories and institutions and ac- academies that are yeah. all around the country yeah. now. I remember back in the day, it used to be like one or two of them, you know, in Texas or in Florida. But how did it start for you and the journey to to becoming not just Seth Rollins, but one of the the best entertainers in the world for the uh, WWE? Well, I mean, I think uh, it depends on how far you want to go back. Let's get it. I mean, I've been a professional wrestling fan my entire life. So in some form or fashion, I've always been an entertainer. And I was kind of an only child. I had a stepbrother, but he wasn't around mm-hmm. uh, like during the week. So it was me and my folks. So I'm, I'm the one working for the pops. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I'm the one trying to get get all the attention. And uh, <laughs> and so it just I, it kind of grew from there. My love of pro wrestling and these larger-than-life characters, the Hulk Hogan's, the Macho Man's, the Jake the Snake's, the Million Dollar Man's of the world. Um, these were people that I just loved. They were my superheroes. You know, they were the equivalent of the Avengers are, I think, for kids now. These were the guys that I looked up to. And so um, once I got to like, man, maybe like 14 or so, I kind of was like, I think I'm going to try to do this. Mm. I told my folks that I was going to try to do it. They thought it was a phase. But, yeah, I was wrestling in my backyard with my buddies, you know, for for all of high school. That was our thing. We weren't going to parties. We weren't definitely weren't getting girls. We were we were, we were were jumping off our trampoline, entertaining our friends. Setting and up so, turnbuckles in the yeah, backyard. Yeah, yeah. No, dude, we were setting up more than that. We had makeshift. We would spend all the money we would make uh, on our jobs on plywood boards and sawhorses so we can make tables to go through them in our yard, man. We were we were uh, saving uh, up the dough to break the table. Yeah, be, uh, to buy the table to break the table. To, <laughs> we were we were stealing ladders from open garages. Like my God, was, uh, we, I mean, look, get your I, shit off. I, 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 like I, I, I apologize like to anybody who had a missing ladder in there. But they helped in their the career. life. They did. They did. It was a means to an end. And so, <laughs> uh, yeah. And then I uh, I wanted to get trained, and so I ended up at a shipping warehouse in Chicago, in a suburb of Chicago, getting trained by a local independent wrestler um, a few times a week, and then going to his shows and carrying his bags and setting up rings and uh, working the camera and doing concessions and whatever I could to try to get my teeth cut in the business, earn some respect, and then I'd start to get on these shows in front of 30, 40 people in the opening match and eventually worked my way up to wrestling in front of, you know, tens of thousands of people and millions at home every week. It took a long time and a lot of hard work and a, a lot of stubbornness, but mm-hmm. here we are. Often, uh, what is it, opportunity disguises itself in hard work quite often. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, look, I didn't do it all on my own. I'll put that out there now. I had a lot of people help me along the way. I think success is always a, a team sport. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, I just feel like I don't want anybody to think that, yeah, you're just going to, because I know a lot of guys on my way up that were hard workers. They didn't yeah, get the opportunities. Yeah, you don't yeah. get the breaks. It, it's it's, it's got to be the right mix formula, right? Yeah, and yeah. I'm very fortunate to be um, on the receiving end of that. And so I, I get a lot of gratitude to anybody out there that ever helped me along the way. There's too many to name. I've always wondered what was more fun, uh, being a heel or a face? Because as a kid, I you know, I'm a little older, right? So I'm 41. Uh, and I watched, you know, the Four Horsemen and yeah. the Devon Eriks and, you know, guys like that. And, uh, you know, Paul Orndorff and, and then all the way through to when the NWO era happened. And I always wondered in the moment and then outside of the ring too, the enjoyment of being the heel as opposed to the face. Like which did, which one? Did you have a guess? Su- which one did you think would be more fun? <laughs> The heel. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. There's, you know, there's something to the adulation that you get from people, but 
it, it, there's also something to be left alone, you know? So it's one of those things that it's real fun to agitate people. I mean, you know, even if it's just your friends, right. you get to bust balls yeah, a little bit. all the yeah, time. That's yeah. way more fun than having to baby face them all the time. That ain't no fun. You don't want to do that. So yeah, it's way more fun to go out there and just troll people and piss them off and all that good stuff. And then, like I said, in the public, when you're just out living, no one wants to bother you then because you're the jerk, you know? So I'll, I'll leave the, the good guy stuff to the people who want to kiss babies and sign autographs. That ain't for me. But uh, it's... it's uh, Either way, I think there's pluses and minuses to both sides, but mm -hmm. I definitely, I like being the bad guy a lot better. So I come into the convention center today, and for those that don't know, Pat McAfee's show is right at the entrance. So walking in, you hear the show before you see it because <laughs> Pat is 100 miles an hour and having the most fun out of anybody here. And then I look at the couch, and I see the, the, the resplendent Seth Rollins sitting over there. I got to ask you about the fashion inspiration, bro. And I know you've probably been asked this question a thousand times today and a million times in your life. But when you're when you're putting it together, whether it be going to the ring or you know going out or being in public situations like this, what, what what's the uh, what's the overall tenor of okay, this is what I'm going to wear today and why? Uh, how weird can I get? <laughs> That's generally where I go. It's you want to like, describe to people I, exactly what the fit is today? I, the, the fit, I don't even know what to call this. It, this you, you, First of all, when you said I looked at the couch, I thought you were talking about my suit because <laughs> this could be a print on your grandma's couch. It, yeah, I don't even know. definitely got a Mahjong it's, vibe yeah, to it. It's an off-white with, um, I don't even know what to call it's it yet. That's not Paisley print. No, it's it's, it's wacky, man. Yeah. It's it's all over the place. It's, it's a, a mushroom shirt, trip. Red tie. Wild. It's a trip. Yeah, 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 that's, yeah. that's it. A mushroom trip. That's yeah. the style today. Yeah, <laughs> that's the couture. A little bit of yeah, mahjong. Is that what you mahjong. said? Yeah, yeah, mahjong, <laughs> mushroom trip. That's what it is. Yeah. And uh, but yeah, it works for me for some weird reason. I don't know why, but. Uh, it seems to. Uh, I, I don't. I don't look too bad. No, as oddly as it seems, sounds. No. I don't look too bad. No, you look good. Uh, you debuted as a part of the faction known as the Shield, and there there are groups. It's kind of like record labels for for you know hip hop or R and B, whatever the case. But you know, there's certain groups that are gonna make a mark. Why was the Shield able to make the mark that it's made in the WWE after so many different iterations? Like I mentioned, the, the NWOs of the world and the Four Horsemen, like they're, they're historic groups. Why is the Shield? Uh, why is the Shield so important to this generation of wrestling? I think a few things. The timing of the Shield was uh, important. We were we came in at a time when WWE desperately needed new stars. So, John Cena. Uh, was holding down the fort. He was holding down the fort, but beyond him, there wasn't a lot of young, up-and-coming talent uh, that you could see taking over the future of the industry. This is a decade ago now. Mm -hmm. Don't want to, oh, decade, that's wild. But <laughs> this is a decade ago, and it was just, a, we were in a, you know, the company was in a different place at that time. And so us coming in, um, the timing was right on it, and also, and I'll give a little bit of credit. I'll pat us on the back here. We were of the mindset that we were not going to be stopped no matter what. We were not. We were very take no prisoners. No one was going to stand in our way. We were going to take the top spot. It would have taken forces of nature to keep us from being successful. Yeah. Um, myself and John Moxley and Roman Reigns um, together. We, we like. 
we weren't buds per se. Right. Uh, Mox and I had a bit of history going back on the independence, but Roman had his own thing going on, but he had a family that he was determined to, you know, provide for. And, and John and I were both just ready to take the world by storm. We'd seen the wrestling industry and what it had become. And we were just, in our minds at the time, we were sick of it. We wanted to leave our mark on it. We wanted it to be ours. And all three of us had that that mindset and when you put three people collectively together mm -hmm. with that type of mindset it is very powerful very powerful you you mentioned kind of like rap groups and mm -hmm. and like i don't really want to like like we're not nwa mm. but we are in that, you, that vibe that yeah. vibe that yeah. the mindset man yeah. like they were not going to be denied yeah. they were going to go out and do their thing yeah. their way and mm -hmm. no one was going to stop them no matter what and that was kind of that energy is what we brought and i think that people attached to that right away because every time we went out it was it, it was like the last time we you know we could have been the last time we ever performed we didn't care we were going to give it late on the line and i think people just attach to that authenticity whether it's music or whether it's sports yeah. or whether it's pro wrestling people just dig authenticity and they can sense it when they're when they see it when they feel it they don't sometimes they can't even put their finger on what that thing is but it's just this innate feeling that they get and we had that for whatever reason we had it seth rollins wwe superstar joining us here on the full goal podcast with jason golf for a couple more moments you mentioned roman reigns and his family right having a family and you know doing the family thing you are married to a wwe superstar i just myself on the back for that <laughs> I, just, I just got engaged right? oh congratulations yeah, so sir, congratulations hey, appreciate you bro um any tips dude it, I, is she your best bud? Yeah. Then you're set. You don't need yeah, any. I like hanging anymore. out with her a lot more than my friends. Yeah, dude, that was the key, man. <laughs> Becky and I were friends for years, and we never even, we were always dating the wrong people and trying to figure it out. And then all of a sudden, it just, it, we hit it off, and it was like, yeah. This uh, works. What, what were we <laughs> doing? Wasting all this time. But we needed to waste all the time to figure it out. So, yeah, dude, the, the, you know. The, the thing that yeah, is a happy wife, happy life type thing. No, but, but it's so easy when it's your best friend, man. See, let me ask you about that same. Because I, so my lady, my fiance, is, uh, she's a psychologist too. Okay. So that'll be fun. Oh, dog. <laughs> <laughs> we talk everything out. Uh, but the happy wife, happy life thing. How is How have men for years sat by and abided by this? Like, isn't it happy us, happy life? Uh, like, it, it, to me, it intrinsically says that no matter how how disappointed, how sad you are as a man, that if your wife is happy, then life will be great. And that's not the truth. We that, just, to me, spells the 52% <laughs> divorce rate that we have in this country. Like, fellas, we got to plant, and I'm not going to be the one to plant it, but fellas, we got to plant the flag at some point. It's happy us, happy life. Not just happy wife, happy life. I, I, you don't have to speak on this. No, if you don't I want agree to with you. I think I Look at Isaiah think, looking at you like that. Hey. I, I think my wife would as well. I think she says, you know, you be happy, I be happy, we'll be happy together. Once you're happy with yourself, then you, then you can do the relationship thing because it don't work if you're not happy with yourself. And she would agree with that. She's all about the equality. Yeah. She ain't, she ain't yeah. about a happy... She she doesn't want me to appease her. I think that would she yeah. think I was trolling her and make her mad. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> she knows your personality, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So she she's not she's not going to stand for that. But you know, I think the idea is that right. sometimes we tend to handle stress a little bit better than women. So if they're less stressed, then we're less stressed, and it mm. makes life a little smoother. Um, there it is, fellas. Seth Rollins telling you. If you're unhappy, leave your wife. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that. 
I say, <laughs> no, I'm with you, talk it out. The, talk See, it out. Fist bumps That's for it. you. Look talk at, it out, That is man. a man who has been Don't, married for a little while. Ha- have the conversation. Have the hard conversations. That's the key, honestly. All have right. the hard conversations. So speaking of, let me ask you this. What are your thoughts about the Ring of Honor Hall of Fame? And how do you... Uh, do you think you should be in it? Well, it depends how deep we go. I spent three years in Ring of Honor. So, I mean, I think that uh, certainly my accomplishments after Ring of Honor were, you know, a lot more than what I did there. But, I mean, for my era, for the time that I was there, I, I was pretty successful. Um, Ring of Honor is always a place that I wanted to work. That's, that's you know, those were the first DVDs that I bought where I saw guys like Loki and Brian Danielson and Christopher Daniels, the Amazing Red, the Briscoes, these guys who are Briscoe for sure fire. These are sure fire Ring of Honor Hall of Famers. Um I saw them and I was like, whoa, I want to do that. You know, I want to do that's the kind of style I want to wrestle. And so the fact that I got the opportunity to go there and work with guys like Brian Danielson mm-hmm. and Nigel McGuinness and uh, Chris Hero and Claudio Castagnoli and stuff like that, I, I'm, I'm happy for with my contribution. I think it would be cool if they were like, yeah, we're going to induct Tyler Black there. If they didn't, I, my heart would not be broken. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I would understand. Like I said, we have to go through a few classes before we got to me. There's guys who deserve it a lot more than I do. 100%. How's the baby? Baby's great, man. Baby's yeah. great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's 14 months. She's awesome. God bless. She's walking, just getting it all. She's going to be talking in no time. I can't wait. I, I love it. I never thought, uh, I never even really wanted to have kids. I never even yeah. thought about it. I was too career focused. I was I too you. like me, 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 you. me yeah, yeah. To, to even think about it. And then uh, now that I've got a daughter, it's like, I can't imagine life without her. And that's you Girl know, change, right? straight cliche, but it's totally true. Yeah, she's great, dude. She's awesome. Yeah. She's a party. It's That's the one thing I think nobody tells you is that it's kind of fun to be a parent. It is. Like, there's hard stuff. Like, you know, sleeping, whatever. You right. don't sleep that much. Not right. a big deal. Right. And like Body training. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Those yeah. There's, things, there's all that crap. But it's like, a lot of fun. It's also just fun. It's fun. They're fun little things, man. They're mm-hmm. so cool. And they do crazy stuff that you can't even be prepared for. Whose so. personality is she mimicking more, yours or Becky's? I say Becky's. I say Becky's. Why is that? She, well, she's just very, uh, she's very spunky and very spontaneous. And I feel like that's more like her ma than Ooh, me. There it is. I think this guy's nailed this interview, by the way. Like, he is married man of the year. He sounds like dad of the year. And on top of it, we got WrestleMania 38 coming up on April 2nd and April 3rd from AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. The event will stream live in the U.S. exclusively on Peacock. Tickets are on sale right now. What do you expect? I know it's a little ways off, but what are you expecting for WrestleMania 38? Because every single year is bigger, it's better. There's a lot more stuff happening. The special guests that are involved. What are you expecting this year? Uh, I mean, two nights this This one is really the, like, this one's huge, right? This is big. We're in Dallas two nights. We're at Jerry World two nights. That's 100,000 people, AT&T Stadium. That's that's, Andre the Giant coming down in a lift type thing. That's big, man. And for me, the last time we were in Dallas, I did not get to perform at WrestleMania. I had torn my ACL and MCL meniscus and had to miss WrestleMania we were in Dallas. So for me, this is like, uh, this is retribution, man. I'm coming back. So uh, whatever I got, it's going to be the biggest thing on the show, I promise. 
promise you that. I'm looking forward to it. I think there's a couple matches already on the books. Roman Reigns and Brock Lesnar for the third time to main event at WrestleMania, which is pretty wild. I think only Rock and Austin have done three, so mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. pretty sweet. Um, Charlotte Flair and the returning Ronda Rousey uh, back at it. And now we've got about six, seven weeks left to fill out the rest of the two-night cards. So who knows, man? I, I, I'm sensing like a Johnny Knoxville, Sami Zayn Ooh. match, which is pretty wild. Uh, I never thought I'd see Johnny Knoxville wrestling <laughs> right, at WrestleMania. Right, right. But who knows? We got, a, we got a ways to go. I'm excited to see the card flesh out. And uh, like I said, two nights, man. It's big. Seth, it's like I, two Super Bowls back to back at AT and T Stadium, which yeah, we man. know ain't gonna happen because Super Bowls don't visit Dallas too often. <laughs> so there it is, there it is. WrestleMania 38, April 2nd, April 3rd from AT and T Stadium in Arlington. It's gonna stream live in the U.S. exclusively on Peacock, and of course, tickets are on sale right now. As we mentioned, Seth, thank you so much, man. I know you got a lot of these to do. I appreciate your time, appreciate your energy, appreciate your candor, and and thank you for the tips hey. in terms of uh, married life. Good luck, man. Man, you guys are going to be awesome. When are you getting married? When do you have the wedding oh, we set still, yet? We're still figuring it out. We just okay. got engaged on the 15th of December. Oh, right yeah, on. Yeah, right. So big, we're still we're Big still wedding, little wedding. What are you thinking? It's probably going to have to be a big. A full deal. <laughs> yeah, full deal. Yeah, wow. yeah. But we probably, I mean, we might be going to Belize for my my family's from Belize, oh, Central America. So that's beautiful. Yeah, well, I, I, the destination kind of leaves people behind if you know yeah, what I mean so yeah. we'll, we'll see how it works out though awesome man hey if you wanna if you wanna roll if you got Dude, some free time hey, you know, come on through send me an invite I'll use it as an excuse to get some time off from Vince man there give it me, is give me a vacation please there it is bro thank you so much thank man. you I appreciate you take it easy man Seth Rollins right here on the Full Go Podcast it's the Full Go that's all the time we have for episode 84 of the Full Go Podcast with Jason Goff Brought to you by The Ring. And of course, Spotify is the game. You can join us on Sunday night as the full goal returns when we recap Bulls Heat. That's right. The second game of a five-game homestand against nothing but playoff or play-in teams for the Chicago Bulls. Also, coming up on the show, we'll talk to one of the best writers in all of America, Chris Herring. He wrote a terrific, terrific book called Blood in the Garden story of the New York Knicks in the 1990s. You got to check it out. Looking forward to our conversation with him. And on top of that, baseball is going to be back here soon. So we'll get some baseball talk in, maybe slide in a preview and maybe have a special guest for you as well. As always, don't forget, you can hit us up on the full goal voicemail line. We'll get that thing popping as soon here too, because I got to throw things out. The questions will be on Twitter for you. So 773-359-3103 is the phone number. That's 773-359-3103. Make sure you are following the Twitter feed at Jason Wongok. So we'll throw out some, uh, some Twitter questions for you out there as well. All right. I want to thank our production staff uh, the always active Jesse Lopez, my main man, Chris Tannehill, and of course, the shadowy figure known as Steve Cerruti. For the fellas, I am Jason Goff, thanking you for downloading this thing, sharing this thing, making sure that you are subscribing to this thing, listening to this thing, and of course, rating and reviewing it. We appreciate everything you do for this pod. For the fellas, I'm Jason Goff, thanking you for listening to the Full Go Podcast with Jason Goff, brought to you by The Ringer, and of course, Spotify is the gang. We leave you with this, as always. Take care of each other and be safe. This episode is brought to you by UGG. Y'all know UGG is a brand that athletes wear all the time in the tunnel and on travel days. Well, I bet you think UGG season is only during the colder months of the year. Oh, contraire. You're wrong. 
you need to check out the latest spring drop from Ugg. They have everything from sandals to clogs. I like the sandals. Ugg has you covered for your next spring adventure. Shop the golden collection at Ugg.com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. If you're busy like me and you're trying to catch your kids' games, it's important to have somewhere where you can go to find a good hotel. We're all over the place. Sometimes, you know, we're in Florida. We'll be in New York. We want to take the wife on a quick vacation and get away. Whether you're looking for a relaxing getaway or heading out of town to see the playoffs, Hotels.com app has a perfect hotel for every trip. Compare up to five hotels side by side so you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings without having to switch back and forth between options. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. 